Welcome to another episode with the Market Dominance Guys, a program about the innovators, idealists, and the entrepreneurs who thrive and die in the high-stakes world of building a startup company. We explore in the cookbooks, guidebooks, and magic beans needed to grow your business. What makes a great cold caller? Our guest today on Market Dominance Guys, James Thornburg, enterprise IT strategist at Bridgepoint Technologies, defines the characteristics of a great cold caller as someone who puts in the hard work by having lots of conversations and also has a little charisma. James uses humor and Connect and Sell's lightning platform to connect to his prospects and then shares his cold calls on LinkedIn for all to learn from or be entertained by. Our hosts, Chris Beal and Corey Frank, are enthusiastic listeners, each touting the entertainment and educational value James provides with his cold calling triumphs as well as his train wrecks. Listen in as these three guys discuss James Thornburg's ability to pivot to a chuckle. On this Market Dominance Guys episode, is cold calling a form of slapstick? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Market Dominance Guys with Corey Frank and the prince of it and the prognosticator of all things sales, Chris Beal, my fabulous co-host here. So uh, good afternoon, Chris. Hey, good to be here, Corey. Nice to see you. You look good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's the lighting. It's all in the lighting of the black. Sorry. Black, I heard, is slimming. I don't know if it's uh, probably need to wear all black, but listen, we're in the presence of some royalty here. It's been a long time coming because we've talked about James several episodes. James, if you're one of our seven listeners, you know that your name has come up a number of times in some of the earlier episodes. So we have with us today, not only a titan of technology, the prince of of pastures, you're a farmer, you're a homesteader, but we have the one and only, the king of the cold call, James Thornburg with us. So welcome, James, to the Market Dominance. Thanks thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. So are you currently in the throne room? Is that what you call the cold call room you're in right now? Is it the... It's my basement downstairs. <laughs> All right. James, I love your plain white background. It's so good. It's great. I, for my calls, I've been using the, the Zoom background. We have some new branding here at Bridgepoint. But yeah, I, I like the, the just the gray. Yeah, yeah. So, James, we've been following you for a while. And obviously, you and Chris have known each other for a while. We've known each other for a few years. I've heckled and commented you on many a LinkedIn post. But you're the king of the cold call. You're not the Earl of email or you're not the Lord of LinkedIn. You chose the cold call as the channel of dominance for your business here at Bridgepoint as one of the principals at Bridgepoint. How come in your sales career, why cold call versus, isn't email easier? Isn't LinkedIn easier? But you chose to have Dominion as the king and probably one of the channels that most folks would shun. So why for you is the cold call king? Well, I mean, I wasn't making a lot of calls for a lot of my career. I mean, when I first got out of college, I was I was making cold calls. I was selling insurance and I got into selling wireless phones and things like that for Nextel. So I was hitting the phones quite a bit then. And then I got into the channel and the channel, you really just kind of leverage network relationships. And so I kind of use those individuals to, to open up doors for me. And, and I did quite well when I was at my former company, Single Path. I was there for almost 12 years. And for about eight or nine of those years, I focused on working with networking partners. And that's how I got introduced to opportunities. But things started to dry up. Uh, Partnerships that I had before, they were acquired. Um, Some of them were making so much money, they just weren't active in terms of opening up opportunities. And and my pipeline was 
suffering because of it. So I started looking to figure out like, hey, how am I going to net new opportunities? And I was thinking about it this weekend. I'm like, I don't even know how I got introduced to Connect and Sell. I don't know if it was, I was Googling or whatever, but landed on Connect and Sell. And, you know, at that point I was reborn cold caller and it kind of opened my eyes that, hey, I can open up a lot of opportunities using this platform and making dials. And then that put me in a position. I was at Single Path for about a year, year and a half on Connect and Sell using it as a full-time sales rep. And then I saw Connect and Sell as my vehicle to basically start out, you know, to go out on my own. Um, sure. And that's basically what I did about two years ago. Gotcha. You know, I think you and Ryan Research, right, are, are birds of a feather there that you put yourself out there. You both put yourself out there. And I think you pioneered this trend, James, that a lot of us can sit in the cheap seats, guys like me, and I can critique a call here and there, right? Chris and I certainly do our share of it. And we do our share of cold calling. Certainly, Chris is out there. He'll do it on stage. But James, you have a unique perspective that you actually do it on LinkedIn Live. You'll record your calls occasionally and put them out there, good, bad, ugly, warts and all. How'd you get started on that? What kind of crazy guy would do that and be that glutton and punishment to put yourself so publicly out there? I had a leased office in downtown Kalamazoo. I was still working at my former employer. The room was about four by seven with no windows. And I think it was like in the middle of February and I was bored one day, I was making these calls and I'm like, Hey, you know, why don't I just start recording these calls? And, and I was like, I, you know, that, that was pretty funny about the, uh, the VP of technology that told me he was a teller. And so then I posted it on, on LinkedIn and got some traction and, and people seemed to be interested. And that's kind of where it started in terms of the videos for LinkedIn. <clears throat> what do you think about that, Chris? I mean, he certainly as a CEO of, of his own company there, his own practice, uh, James, he puts himself out there. And you've talked a lot about CEOs needing to do that, put themselves out there and do a certain amount of cold calls. I think James has certainly taken to, to a different level, but what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, James, what you've done at a different level is you're funny. And I actually think that that uh, contrast between what people think about cold calling, which is, you know, the the movies, the boiler rooms, the intensity, the screaming, the, all that stuff. And then we watch you and it's like the very best part to me is that the camera is there for you. We're there and you look at us and you use us. I mean, that's what's fun. It's like we're in the call because your your feelings about it, especially that anticipation thing you do, like, yeah, 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 this, it might go, it might go, it's like, oh, boom, and that's, that, I think, is a completely new thing. Everybody's got different style, right? So Shane Mahi does his thing while he's along the banks of the Thames, and he's making calls, and that's very much like making calls, right? You can, it's cool. But after it's like making calls, your stuff is not just cool. Your stuff is funny. And I don't know, you don't think of yourself as a funny guy, I think, right? Not really. I mean, I'm trying to be funny today, but it's not really working. Out like <laughs> <laughs> trying to, trying to come up with something witty. Very dry. Very dry. Well, it's the thing that you do with the camera that I just think it's good. It's like, we're there. And because cold calling has this funny quality, each call is literally, it's an adventure where you don't know what's going to happen. And somebody once asked me, some really intelligent person said, gosh, Chris, you, you seem to like sports, sporting events more than most people 
who sport your particular mathematical inclinations. I think they said something about IQ or some nonsense like that. It's like, why? It's like, because I don't know how it's going to turn out. Every you, know, you get sucked in to the little soap opera that is a whatever, a game of some sort, right? Whatever it happens to be. And every cold call is that kind of game, even though it's not oppositional with this person. When we're there with you, I feel like like we, the audience, are getting that sense of why the conversation and I'll make a distinction. Cold calls and cold conversations are two different things. If you had to cold call, you wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Cold calling means not talking to anybody for an hour. That's crazy making cold conversations are pretty fun. If you're ready for the adventure, for us watching you, it's pure fun because we're not the ones who are dealing with the negative side other than we get to deal with kind of how you deal with it, which is funny. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to watch somebody get hung up on. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Yeah, Yeah, is it slapstick? That's a question. Is watching cold calling a form of slapstick where we don't have that much of that anymore, but are we getting a little Lucille Ball in there or, or whatever? Little Charlie Chaplin? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a little bit of schadenfreude, right? I mean, you see somebody else get his butt kicked, right? And you have a lot of good calls, a lot of successful calls, right? I think everybody wants to watch it for the train wrecks. And it does. I know when I watch them, James, right? I feel like, wow, that was really clever. You start off with a joke. You're just very unassuming. You don't, you're not supplicative. You don't lose your status, but you really have this attitude where, listen, I'm a human. I'm looking for another human connection. And can we dispense with all the roles and all the accoutrements of your title and role and just make a connection because you picked up the phone and I'm on the other end. And let's see if we have something that can can benefit each other. And that's just it's, it's very raw and, and authentic. Doing so many and doing so many publicly and certainly doing so many at scale because you use your proud artisan of the connect and sell weapon. What have you learned in cold calling? Because you said your most of your career, you didn't necessarily have to do it. And then you have just had probably more cold calls in the last couple of years, probably more than 99% of sales professionals in the B2B world. So what have you learned from this channel and from the reception that you get from um, decision levels, uh, decision level buyers? Well, I mean, it's really worked for my industry, right? Our offering or what we do is somewhat nuanced. I mean, we're helping IT leaders buy technology. And it's hard to articulate that through any other medium. When you're able to have a conversation with somebody, it's easier to explain to them. Because like I said, I mean, what we do is somewhat nuanced. The the concept is foreign uh, to probably 90% of the people that we talk to. And I, I refer to it as speed dialing, connect and sell. Just even using a power dialer or so manual dialing, then your power dialer. I mean, the challenge is, is that you're dealing with a lot of that minutia of cold calling, which is the reason why no one wants to make any calls. Um, so to be able to just press a button and have some conversations, people think I work hard. I mean, it's, it's a lazy way to do it. It makes things easier. You're just having conversations. Do you have the courage to press that button and talk to somebody? And if you don't, then what are you what, what are you doing in sales? Sure. Um, and so when you look at early on, I mean, my, my pitch has evolved and things of that nature. I mean, people have a lot of opinions of, about the pitch, the openers and things of that nature, but gotten a lot better in terms of the tonality. Just my conversions are a lot higher. And that's due to having a lot of at-bats. 
having a lot of conversations, you get better and better. I think people, people miss out on that. Everybody wants to talk about the conversions and things of that nature, but it's also like, how do we make these reps better more quickly? And the way that you're going to be able to do that is more conversations. I don't know if that answered your question, but. Oh, you really have to get your frequent before you get good is what I hear you say. And you've been able to condense 20 years of cold calling that most of us had to come up through the ranks using old rotary phones. And you've been able to condense it in the last two and a half years or so with a connected cell type of weapon. It sounds like. Listen, I'm a little old school too. I didn't use a rotary phone, but I had, I had index cards. Sure. Sure. I had index cards and I was writing on that. That was my follow-up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. With the volume of calls that you've made, I think Chris and I would be interested in knowing, okay, because you had such a very tight learning curve over, not that you've never made cold calls, but I'm saying in this type of volume over the last 24, 36 months or so at volume, what doesn't work at a cold call? You say a lot of folks will say, James, I have some opinions on your opener and I have opinions on X and Y and Z. Okay, well, you do it at scale. So in your opinion, what have you learned that doesn't work in a cold call that you probably see a lot of folks still doing? We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Connect and sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and Sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to 10 times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their impossible Whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. And we're back with Corey and Chris. I don't know if I can answer that. I don't have strong opinions about openers, technique, and things of that nature. I, I don't like the how are you, though, as the opener. I don't think that's a very good idea. But I think if you have the right tonality and and you're, it doesn't sound like you're reading off of some type of script and you're putting in the work, you know, you're going to have success. But I can't really pinpoint something that, hey, doesn't work in cool calling. I mean, what, what are your thoughts I, I've got I got some because I well I have ideas of what does work. Yeah. Um, so my my two favorite people to listen to having actual cold calls are you and Cheryl Turner. And the reason is both of you have the ability to pivot to a chuckle better than any other people out there. You're light enough with the situation. It's like you've done the hard work, you've pushed the button. Now you're going to be light with this person and kind of let it roll and talk to them. And when something kind of funny comes up uh, or they challenge you in some way, the best answer isn't to fight them, it's to laugh. It's like like you had the one the other day where the guy basically says something about being retired or whatever. And you go, well, you know, we get these lists from these list providers and blah, blah, blah. And it was funny. I mean, it was funny, but it was also like, it's not funny, like me against you kind of funny. It's funny. Like we're all in this together kind of funny, like life is funny, kind of funny. And you and Cheryl both do it and you do it. Like I was with Helen a couple of weeks ago and we were going through a bunch of Cheryl's calls and listening to them because Helen has an interest in trying connect and sell in a very special kind of way with with a huge, huge company out there that she might be calling into. And, you know, this is new to her. 
And she asked, well, what really makes it work? And I said, let's go listen to Cheryl and listen to James. And I will break this down for you like I'm Howard Cosell. It's Ali Frazier, right? I'm going to take you through this punch by punch. And I'm going to redirect your eyes from, from the gloves down to their feet. So you can see what they're really doing. And what was so interesting was that EQ on the spot that it takes to laugh with somebody. I actually think that is the most interesting thing that, that both of you do. And it's spectacular. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's just... You think things are funny. <laughs> people get so upset about it, about cold calls and things of that nature. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of other problems in the world. I mean, somebody calling <laughs> you and everything. And it's just like, I mean, even the retired people, you know, sometimes I got to leave them with a joke because... It's like, hey, you're retired. You're mad that I called you. I know that you get calls, but it's like, hey, you know, lighten up a little bit. Let me let me leave you with a joke. And then I leave them with the the five cold caller joke. Yeah. And I don't know if everybody knows the joke, but could you could you give us the joke? I mean, let's have Corey be all pissed off at you. Corey, you know, you're retired, right? Are you pretty much retired far as I can tell? Hey, hey, Corey, Corey, hey, listen, look, well, let me let me at least leave you with a joke. What do you call five cold callers? At the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> I don't know, James. What do you what do you call five cool colors at the bottom of the ocean? A good start. <laughs> a good start. That's right. <laughs> See, and you made a human connection, right? But, by the way, let me make a technical point there. This is something that our friend Chris Boss would call tactical empathy. There you go. Show the other person you see the world through their eyes. Mm. What do they think? If they could think clearly about five cold callers at the bottom of the ocean, <laughs> I think it's a good start, right? So it, it, some of these things, the, they sound very natural and because they are. James, Cheryl, these people are true geniuses. At this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Henry Wojtyla is now converting it like 40%. And he's a guy you wouldn't have thought was a natural, but he's picked up a whole bunch of things from Cheryl. He works closely with Cheryl and some, mm-hmm. some magic is going on. There's Scott Webb, you know, the 75.9% converter. He just sounds like he's your friend who knows you, who's calling you and yeah. really thinks it's a good idea for you that we should have a meeting. And by the way, I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, out of there. I got to go. Hey, I got to, I got to call. I'll send, I'll shoot you something. Boom. Done. Right. Yeah. So these folks all have something in common, which is in the ring so to speak, they're relaxed. They're excited and want something to happen, but still relaxed enough to laugh and and make these simple looking moves that I know as an expert on this are not that simple to master. Is that, is that, what do you guys think? Is that nature? Is it nurture? Is it is a little bit of Morgan Freeman and Shawshank Redemption where he only gets parole once he doesn't give a crap anymore. And, and it's that, that attitude, it, it's tough to teach somebody right out of school that it's not apathy. Like you said, it's, it's more, uh, cause I'm not losing my status. It's just, it's very cool in the pocket. Is that something that's taught or is that something that can be learned? Or I don't know. Did you, did you, did you have to learn it? How did, how did you just fall into it? I'd say repetition and personality. I mean, there's got, there's a, there is a little personality element to it. <clears throat> And I don't know how teachable that is. I don't either. It's like being tall for basketball. You know, you can be Spud Webb and you can be great, but there were never 30 Spud Webbs in the league. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think you have to be a James Thorberg and have my personality. I mean, people have, people bring different gifts to the game. 
And yeah. mine just happens to be hard work and maybe a little <laughs> bit of charisma. <laughs> and <Yeah>. more chickens. <laughs> Maybe it is. You're, you're, the homesteader lifestyle has certainly probably contributes to the mellow nature, the connection, empathy. It's just we screenplay the ahs and the ums in our screenplays that we use for outbound calling. And we got a lot of folks who say, doesn't that make you sound unsure? Does that make you sound, don't know what you're talking about? And you're talking with a C-level or director level, they're going to bull. It's like, no, makes you sound human. You know, yeah. Chris and I talked about this last time. Never trust a person who doesn't walk around with a little bit of a limp, right? And so we screenplay that in. And I think that the brilliance of the 27 seconds is that even if I don't have this high emotional intelligence off the chart like you do or, or, or Cheryl or Scott, that that at least is a little bit of a verbal crutch to help get you there, right? That 27 seconds, um, it's not tonight. I have a minute. It's 27 seconds. It's it, right. It's the Chris. We call it the playful curious. Can James come out and play? That's what we teach. That's what they teach in the flight school at Connect Itself. That is the perfect encapsulation of how to think what the director's notes for the actor are on the screenplay. Playful curious. Can James come out and play? That's how you say that 27 seconds. And even if I blow the other part, I'm at least going to buy myself another few seconds by saying that. And you're a big advocate of the 27 seconds, certainly, James. I think you're. I'd be interested in Chris's opinion. I mean, how much of it is the call? I'd say it's like 90% of the call. If they buy into the 27 seconds, they buy you more time than you can tell your story and hopefully, you know, get some more information or book a meeting or get a follow up, right? Yeah, it's funny today. I was talking with Donnie Crawford about this, and we were going pretty deep on this question of what's the purpose of the cold call. And I pointed out to him, Donnie, you know, a great conversion rate is 10%. So that means 90% of the purpose is what happens when you don't convert. That's really, that, uh, and he kind of stopped. He went, huh. He said, yeah, we get into that, don't we? That the purpose is to get the meeting. It's like, no, the outcome is to get the meeting when that's the right thing for both parties, which, you know, is more often than you might think. But the purpose is to establish trust and the caveat is don't blow it. Once you've established trust in that first seven seconds, don't blow it, right? Because you're going to talk to this person later. They're in a cohort. It's called people who answer the phone. They're yours to talk with over and over. 11 twelfths of a Martin market right now. Mm-hmm. Now, James sells something that's very nuanced. It connects and sells something. We sell something that's like anti-nuanced, but isn't in a category either, right? You can't go up to somebody and say, Hey, you know what? I got something that's going to get you 10 times more conversations and you're going to love it. And they're going to go, wow, really? Here's my checkbook. They're going to go, huh, you're either an idiot or a charlatan. I don't know if I want to stick around to find out which, (laughs) you know, that's kind of like how it works. That was Cheryl's response to me Mm -hmm. in a test drive. I thought the guy was an idiot or a charlatan. She went off and used it, came back in 10 minutes and said I was wrong. Mm-hmm. You, you may well be an idiot. Now, Charlatan will establish that later, but yeah, this, yeah. this stuff works, man. So I think that the whole game is at the beginning. When you look at it one way, 100% of cold calls succeed if you get that person to trust you and you don't blow it. And James, you never blow it. I never hear you blow it. Now, maybe you deep six. I did blow it. I just I, I give it, show the videos of the ones that I'm not blowing. <laughs> I blow it. Well, people blow. It's easy to blow it, right? You want to blow it, sell to them. 
Yeah. I get you to trust me and then I sell to you. I'm kind of toast. Yeah. I thought we were friends. What are you doing selling to me? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, thought we had you know, I love Scott Webb's point of view is he says, when I insist somebody take the meeting, my internal image is that I'm putting my hand out and slapping them in the chest and holding them back so they don't step in front of a speeding bus. Mm. That's how I feel about that person. I'm saving them from something they didn't see, mm. which is the disaster of not attending a meeting in which I'm going to teach them valuable stuff. So he emotes that intent? Yes. Yeah. He, we had a discussion once where he called me and said, my mindset's more wrong. I'm going to fix it. And he was converting like 35%. And so it calls me back an hour later and says, I fixed it five for five. Right. And, and he's dragging that 35% tail into a 75.9% conversions. Hmm. So he's still got that statistical, that, that big hunk of bad back there, which he thinks is bad. And the rest of us go, Ooh, that's pretty exciting. Right. right but right. it was a mindset change where he said, you know what? I have an ethical obligation to this person to make sure they come to this meeting to learn what they don't even know can be learned. And I am going to satisfy that obligation by insisting they attend the meeting, mm. that they take it. And if all I get is the verbal and I just send them an invite, that's progress compared to no verbal. So I'm going to get the verbal, even if it doesn't have a date on it, and I'll send them an invite for something. I tell you what, the numbers, the numbers don't lie. Yeah, for sure. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer, investor, or partner is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's time to really go big, you need to use an uncommon methodology to gain attention, frame your thoughts, and employ a successful sequencing that is fresh enough to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. From crafting just the right cold call screenplays to curating and mapping the ideal call list for your entire TAM, Branch 49's Modern and Innovative Sales Toolbox offers a guiding hand to ambitious organizations in their quest to reach market dominance. Learn more at branch49.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. Subscribe.